Um, Sabbath, uh, maybe some of us don't know what Sabbath means. And before assuming that we all know what it means, because I thought, I assumed I knew what Sabbath meant until I was actually studying this for this week and I discovered some things. And so let's turn to scripture. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Turn to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I'll give you some time. All right. Hi, Bo. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. I'm going to read actually from one verse before that, from chapter 1, verse 31. And the Word of God says, I'm reading from the ESV, And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Amen. Here we see that God has finished working, it says. It is in God's nature to work. For six days, he created the heavens and the earth. And as we read in verse 31, that he finished everything and he beheld. And he said, it is very good. And it says there in scripture, there's a lot to unpack just here in these three verses. So much to unpack. And we'll, only, we'll get through some of it today. God designed the seven-day, 24-hour cycle. God designed that. He created the sun. He created how fast it would rotate. Or, not the sun. How fast everything else would rotate around it. Right? <laughs> <coughs> Y'all looking at me like I'm stupid. <laughs> so he desired the seven-day, 24-hour cycle. He created night and day. And we cannot change that. Because we can't change the speed of how everything goes. And God ended his work, self-employed. Nobody told him to do it. And then he rested. The Hebrew word for rest here is Shabbat. Everyone say Shabbat. Where we get the word Sabbath. Sabbath. The literal meaning of Shabbat or Sabbath, we assume it to be rest. But more specifically, it means to Stop. Right. Everyone look at your neighbor and just say, stop. stop. Just stop. Right. It means to stop and delight. It means to stop and delight. So God, what he did, he was working. And on the seventh day, he stopped. And then he enjoyed all that he had created. That's the point of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is simply a day to stop. Just stop for a while and delight. Delight in God's everyday graces. Delight in His works, His blessings. And delight even in the work of your hands. And delight in moments, delighting in memories, delighting in people. And all that entertains our senses. Delighting. We cannot delight if we don't stop. We can't deeply enjoy when we don't stop. So God gave us a Sabbath. 
When we think about even this past week, what is there to delight in? Have you taken some morning, some time to stop, to think, and to delight, and take in, and thank God for all that he has done? Now, I, I mention this quote all the time. I love when John Piper says, God is doing 10,000 things in our lives, but we may be aware of just three of them. There is so much that God is doing. How we approach our work affects how we Sabbath. How we approach our work for our five or six days, it changes how we approach our day of rest. Um, For a lot of us, including myself, Sabbath is a day of escape. Sabbath is a day of escape. Yes, stopping work, but actually getting away from work. Sabbath, a lot of times, I crash into the Sabbath day. And I feel like a lot of us can relate. We work so hard. We toil, toil, toil. And then we crash into the Sabbath. And Sabbath becomes a day where we sleep and we rejuvenate. But do we necessarily even have the strength and capacity to delight? And honestly speaking, for me, when it comes to Monday, there's a lot of times I just sleep in. I waste half the day. And don't get me wrong, sleep is good. But by the time I'm rejuvenated, I feel so groggy. My spirit feels so off. I don't have the strength and capacity to even pause and think and delight. Something to, um, I've been reading this book, I highly recommend it. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by an author named John Mark Comer. And he says this, a, work, a way of working from rest, uh, a way of working from rest, not for rest, with nothing to prove, that's Sabbath. Sabbath is a way of bearing fruit from abiding, not ambition. What does this mean? He's saying that Sabbath is not a day where we recharge for the sake of effective work. That's not all of what Sabbath is. Sabbath is actually a relational thing with God, noticing what he is doing. Not only asking God for strength so I can do my thing. Something to notice in this passage is God did not need rest because he was tired. Like a lot of us approach Sabbath. I need to rest. I need to go on vacation. I need to unplug. I need to do this because I feel tired. I need to rejuvenate. But God, God, when he chose to rest on the seventh day, he wasn't like on the third day, like, oh, I cannot wait till day seven. I cannot wait. No. He didn't rest on the seventh day because he's tired. Even Isaiah 40 says, the God, the everlasting God, creator of heavens and the earth. He doesn't grow tired. He doesn't grow weary. But he chooses to stop and delight. To stop and delight. I would like to say Sabbath is this. It's not just rest. Generally rest. I believe that rest is a byproduct from actually living actual Sabbath, which is stop and delight. And in that, you experience rest. Stop and delight. 
and then you find rest. God, he did not approach Sabbath to rest from weariness. God, he approached Sabbath to experience delight and joy. Sabbath is a gift from the relational and loving heart of God, not to escape work, but to help us maintain a healthy perspective of work. It is not to escape work, but to regain a healthy, godly perspective of work. Because Jesus said himself in Mark 2, 27, Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus says this, the Sabbath, the Sabbath was not made, oh, ah, sorry, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. All right? The Sabbath was not, was made for us. We were not made for the Sabbath. Okay? What this means is God desires us to stop and delight in him and with him. God created Sabbath for us, for us. And this is, this is neat. The Sabbath was the first thing in the Bible where God blesses and God makes holy. The Sabbath is the first thing that God consecrates and makes holy. And that's, that has eternal significance. Because it wasn't a person that God sets apart and makes holy. It was time. It wasn't a lot of time that God is setting apart and saying, this is really important. I'm setting this apart. Something else that I observed as I thought about and meditated upon this passage was, when God worked and he rested, this is, this is pretty interesting. I don't know if you thought about this, but when he worked and he rested, this all happened before sin came into the picture. Before man sinned, before the fall of man, Work and rest existed. Keep in mind that, you know, sin never had its influence. That means in God's original design, guess what? Work is from God. And enjoyable work is possible. We were made for it, actually. What this means is, when Jesus comes back to restore all things, work is still going to be there. Work is still going to be there. Because it was created even before sin came into the picture. But the problem is, because sin came into the picture, somehow work became cursed. Our perspective of work has changed. Because of the effect of sin, Sabbath became a day where we crashed into and became an escape from work. In God's original design, God, Sabbath was given to delight in the work. Therefore, even, to, even today, there is a possibility that even though some of us, we may be practicing Sabbath week by week, very disciplined at it, there's a chance that we may be doing it not in alignment with God's intended purpose. We got to take into account the curse of sin and how it influences our perspective on Sabbath. Sabbath without delight and enjoyment is basically no Sabbath at all. There's no Sabbath at all. Sleep. See, when I think about Sabbath, for me, I think about, okay, I just need to get as much sleep as I can. I don't want to get sick. I need to recover my body so that by Monday, I mean by Tuesday for me, 
I have enough strength to get through another week. But actually, for Sabbath, it's not just replenishment of our body. That actually only brings us to ground zero. That only brings us to ground zero. We're not overflowing in our love tank to approach our work week. Actually, if we really take the invitation to really Sabbath the way that God intended for us to Sabbath, it wouldn't just replenish us back to ground zero. It would actually fill us to the overflow that we can approach the next six days in a different way, in a different and fruitful way. This is really important. But due to the fall of man, the curse of sin has warped our view of Sabbath. And for some of us, even has caused us to delete Sabbath from our lives. Which is why God, even though he designed it like this, because of sin that draws us away from real Sabbath, which is why God does what? He puts it in the Ten Commandments. He makes it a command. You shall have no other God before me. Do not, do not, do not. If you look at the Ten Commandments, it's don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And then finally, there's a command in there where God says, do this. (laughs) I command you to observe the Sabbath. Let me read it for us. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 through 15. And it says this. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember, this is important, is incorporated in the Ten Commandments. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And I want to highlight something here. It says here in the Ten Commandments, keep the Sabbath. But it also says in there, but remember when you were in Egypt. Remember when you were a slave. Why is that in there, in the Ten Commandments? It's not just keep the Sabbath. It's remember the days when you were a slave. Verse 15 says that. Remember that when you were a slave in Egypt, remember your life and the ways and the way you're thinking of when you were in Egypt. Remember that in Egypt you were a slave under the whip of Pharaoh. And guess what? In Egypt, there was no rest. The demand was constant. In Egypt, there was no rest. There was no Sabbath. Pharaoh had endless demands. And even today, the spirit of Pharaoh robs us and keeps us in Egypt. Egypt represents the ways of this world. Egypt represents a life without without Sabbath. Egypt represents the current and ways of this world. It's the hurry and hustle mindset. So God commanded the Sabbath to redeem that. And so what I'm not saying is that we shouldn't, I'm not saying we shouldn't work. We shouldn't hustle. 
we shouldn't work hard. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we could be very much be wrapped up just like the ways of the ways thing, the ways things were in Egypt. We have the we have the tendency to do that. It's our sinful nature to be drawn that way. That's why God has commanded us, and I love that word, not to just observe it, but to remember. Everyone say remember. The reason why God puts that in there to remember is because why? It's obvious. It's because we're such forgetful people. We forget to rest. We forget to stop. We forget to pause. We forget that we're not part of Egypt. But we're part of the kingdom. John Mark Comer, he says this, God has eventually commanded the Sabbath. Does that strike you as odd? It's like commanding ice cream or live music or beach days. You would think we'd all be chomping at the bit to practice the Sabbath. But apparently, there's something about the human condition that makes us want to hurry our way through life as fast as we possibly can. To rebel against the limitations of time itself. Due to our immaturity, dysfunction, and addiction, God has to command his people to do something deeply life-giving. Sabbath. It's the Egypt in all of us that we need to confront at least once a week. But we fail. We fall short. It's hard to rest well. It's hard to rest well. Especially in the Pali Pali culture here in Korea. Everybody is on the grind. Seriously, I'm driving and one of the things about, I hate about driving is, is being stuck at the traffic light and being in the front. It's, it's nerve-wracking. Because you have to, if, you, if the light turns green, and if you don't go like one second, if you're late one second, you're going to get honks at you. It's, it's such a crazy culture here. <laughs> but we all, we fail and fall short. The gravity of Egypt feels way too strong. And we have no hope in ourselves to even rest well. Same goes for the people of God, even after the commandment was given. Because the rest of the Old Testament displays how fickle God's people were. The rest of the Old Testament and the rest of the Bible shows that we all fall short. That we display such a vacillation between depending on ourselves, trusting idols, and then repenting and depending on him again. And here's this vicious cycle, only to succumb back to Egypt, back to Egypt once again. And I find myself, week in, week out, man, I take some time to rest, I examine my heart, I see myself back in Egypt again. Restless, comparing myself to everyone, defining success in the ways of this world, trying to hustle, trying to catch up, feeling so tired and weary. But I thank God because God made a way. And he still makes a way for us today. Jesus came. Jesus came both as the way, but also to teach us his ways. And I want to distinguish the two. When it comes to Jesus, he comes as the way. But he invites us to follow actually his ways. 
What I mean by that is this. Jesus is the only, he's the way, the truth, and the life. He made a way for us to actually access what? Eternal rest. The hope that we have when Jesus returns, get this, you and I, we're going to experience the fullness of rest. The fullness of God's design, God's going to restore all that here. We're going to enjoy work. Think about that. (laughs) We're going to enjoy work. And we're going to delight with him together in the work of his his hands and in the work of our hands with him. He's going to bring that. And guess what? In this lifetime, we have access in Christ to taste and see glimpses of that. To taste and see glimpses of that. He made a way for us. But also, he invited us as his disciples. The early disciples, you know what they call them? They call them people of the way. People who were determined to fight, to strive, to learn to follow his ways. Jesus invites us to follow his ways. And Jesus was the rabbi of all the disciples. And I want to read this famous verse that all of us have heard before, probably. Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, it says, Come to me. Come to me, Jesus says. All who labor and and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When it comes to yoke, we have to remember that Jesus is a teacher. He's a rabbi. And in that culture, In that culture, what a yoke meant, actually, was a yoke meant, a yoke of a rabbi actually meant the teachings and the ways of a rabbi. So that when the disciples are listening, and when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, for the disciples in their culture, they understand, hey, take my ways. Learn from my ways. Because if you follow my ways, it's light and easy. Also, when I think of yoke, we also think of two ox yoked together, plowing together. And Jesus makes that invitation to every single one of us. Let's partner together, but let me carry the weight. Let me carry the weight. Let me steer it. Follow my ways. Turn away from the ways of Egypt. And take my ways. Because Jesus says, My ways are light. My ways, you will find rest. And the ways that he give us, I love it. When you read in Mark, in the book of Mark, it says this. When you think of Jesus, what do you think about? What's his demeanor like? Is Jesus stressed out? Can you imagine Jesus stressed out? Can you imagine Jesus freaking out or tired? Anxious, getting irritated at people. You can't. I can imagine disciples doing that. But for Jesus, he carries such a non-anxious presence. You ever meet people like that? These days, I've been getting to know uh, James back there with the hat. And as I get to know him, I would like to describe James as someone who carries a non-anxious presence. What that means is when I I get near him, when I go to his house, and it's not just because he has a 
Nice house, right? <laughs> when I go to his house and I, when I spend time with him, I feel ease. I feel ease. I feel light. And there's something about what he carries and how he lives that I feel that. I feel like Jesus has that. Jesus has that. And for Jesus, he's like this. But guess what? When you read through the Bible, he was so busy. So busy. He was highly demanded. Everyone followed him, demanded his attention wherever he went. But I love in Mark that it shows the humanness of Jesus. The relatability that Jesus shows us. That he gets tired. And it says, early morning. Oftentimes he goes away to spend time with the Father to rest. Even before they feed the 5,000, if you read in the passage of Mark, it says, he tells the disciple, let's go away and let's go to a desolate place. That's important. Both times in Mark, chapter 1 and chapter 6, every time Jesus says, when the demand is high, when the crowds are coming, when all this work is being shoved in his face, Jesus says, This key word, he says, let us go away to a desolate place. Everyone say desolate. When you think desolate, what comes to mind is like a desert. It's a desert. And I love how Jesus models it for us. And he invites us to follow his ways. For Jesus, after he's baptized, before he begins work, Before he begins ministry and teaches and preaches and heals the sick. And he gets baptized and the father says, this is my son whom I am well pleased. The spirit of God takes Jesus immediately to go work. No. It says, the Bible says that the spirit of God takes Jesus into the desert. Into the wilderness. Into a desolate place. When I read that. What came to mind was, wow, I didn't catch that. I always assumed that desert and wilderness meant a negative place. I always thought like it was a place of suffering. That's how I grew up learning. But what I see in Jesus is that when he goes away to to the wilderness, to the desert, to the desolate place, it doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. Actually, for Jesus, it means he went away into a place where there were no distractions, nothing else but him and God. Nothing else but a desert, but him and God. Well, the only thing that can satisfy him is the Father himself. He continues to tell his disciples, the demand is high. We got to prioritize this. Let's make room, no matter what it takes, Let's go away to a desolate place. What does that look, look like for us? Let's go to a place where we might get bored. <laughs> Let's go to a place where nothing entertains us. Let's go to a place where there's nothing to fill up the time but me and God. I remember when I lived in Africa for a couple of years, there were times when we went into um, the village and we would stay in the villages and for the first couple of weeks i'll be honest with you guys it was so hard for me you know why it was so hard for me 
There was nothing to do. There was nothing to do. No electricity. No screens. It was just people. And farming. And people. And a lot of time. And the hot sun. It was a desolate place. (laughs) And for the first couple days, it was so hard for me. But you know what happened? After getting used to it, after detoxing the things that I thought I needed in life, guess what? I started experiencing joy. I started experiencing what it, I, I started to feel fully human, if that makes any sense. I started to feel alive, not because I did anything significant, because I learned the, I learned the joy of what it means to be fully present with another human being. I learned the joy of being able to sit and contemplate and meditate and do nothing and being bored and being okay with it and not attaching that to my identity and value. And that time, it was so valuable for me. You know, after I left Africa and I went back into, I came here to Korea, to Seoul, and it was hard. It was hard. Everything was competing for my attention. All these demands, all these crowds, crowds representing not just people, but the things that we have to do, our work. It started being shoved in my face and I did not have the discipline or the awareness to follow the ways of Jesus and to go away into a desolate place. I was never in that desolate place. Why? Because I always took my phone with me. (laughs) I always took my phone with me. And I'm reading my Bible. I'm like, God so loved the world by, hey God, let's check the NBA scores. (laughs) Let's check my fantasy basketball. Let's check this. Hey God, let's watch Netflix together. That's not a bad thing. But sometimes God was like, you're not being fully present with me. You're not being fully present with me. You know, the spiritual discipline of Sabbath, it should be pursued. It should be prioritized with much diligence. And there's such irony in this. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says this. It said, we should strive. Everyone say strive. We should strive to enter God's rest. Isn't that ironic? Another translation, we should be diligent. We should strive. We should work hard. We should be diligent to enter God's rest. True rest is hard work. Detox is hard work. Try it literally, okay? Detox is hard work. But we are invited to practice this discipline experience the, and experience the delight in doing so. Until Sabbath will no longer be a discipline and will forever be a delight when Jesus returns to restore all things. There will be no word called spiritual disciplines when Jesus comes back. We will be using the terms such as spiritual delights. I always wanted to approach all these spiritual disciplines with that word. Spiritual delights. What would it look like if it actually did become that? If it actually did become that. When it comes to Sabbath. And I want to close with this. 
Um, I love this quote by John Mark Comer again. He says, Sabbath is the anchor discipline. Anchor discipline of the people of God. So crucial that God lovingly commands us to remember to rest. Anchor discipline. I love that phrase. And I believe that this message today is so important in the lens that we put on when we listen to the rest of this sermon series on spiritual disciplines. Sabbath-oriented life, if it's not there, if it's not prevalent, if it's not striven after in our lives, guess what? All the other spiritual disciplines, it's a slippery slope. You need Sabbath to slow down so that we can listen. There's a pastor that said, the Bible was meant to be read by those in love. And in love, there is no hurry. In love, there is no hurry. In love, people are fully present. And when it comes to the spiritual discipline, JM talked about last week about reading the word of God. And what is the use in reading the word of God if we're in a hurry? What is the use in reading the Word of God when we're not even fully present in reading the Word of God? What is the use of praying when we're only just praying from a place of anxiety? Where we're not stopping and pausing. Where we're not going away to the desolate place. All these spiritual disciplines, it's meant to come out from a life of Sabbath. From a place of rest. I believe that the bridge, I believe that the bridge between these disciplines being a duty, feeling like a duty. You know, I'll be honest, a lot of times these spiritual disciplines, it feels like a duty. The bridge that gaps, uh, you know, <laughs> the bridge that, you know, connects duty to delight, it's Sabbath. It's Sabbath. Sometimes it's going to feel like reading the Bible and praying, generosity, fasting, all these spiritual disciplines that we're going to be talking about. It's going to feel like a duty. But if we want to transition it to being a delight, it has to come from a place of Sabbath. It has to come from a place of practicing Sabbath. Yeah. So... So as we approach this week and as we go into work tomorrow, I'd like to challenge us. I'd like to challenge us with some practical things. Challenge with some practical things. A couple of practical things that transition us into a life of Sabbath is first, every day, try to start and end each day in five minutes of silence. Is that hard? <laughs> Without looking at a screen, right? Start when you wake up, sit up. And just sit there, five minutes of silence. And when you end the day, before you sleep, just five minutes of silence. Five minutes is nothing. Right? And, and contemplate. Embrace the silence. Embrace the boredom. Embrace the mundane. No background music. All right? Just silence. Give God your presence as much as we ask God for his presence. We come here every Sunday. God, we want your presence. We want you to be with us. You know, God says the same thing to us. Give me your presence. I delight in your presence. I want to be in your presence. How can the God of the universe have a heart like that 
that he enjoys our presence. The second thing is this. JM touched on it a lot last week. Try not to look at your phone at least 20 minutes before going to bed. Is that hard? (laughs) I love your honesty. I love your honesty. Yeah. Yeah. Try not to look at your phone at least 20 minutes before going to bed. I feel like the quality of my sleep, I, I, have, I have practiced this here and there. And even though I know this is true, I know it's hard. But I have experienced quality rest, quality sleep without looking at screens. Like these days, like when I struggle, I'm, I'm looking at Netflix and my phone. And I turn it off and I go to sleep. So I want to challenge this. Try not to look at your phone at least 20 minutes before going to bed. Third is journal. Journal. Because I've noticed that I've tried journaling writing down, and I've actually tried journaling typing. I find journaling writing down helpful. You know why? It forces me to slow down. Seriously, practically. It forces you to slow down. I, when, I read my, when I read my journal entries... I know the times I had quality time with God and the times I didn't. I was just like doing it as a formality. You know how I can tell? The quality of my handwriting. (laughs) We need to practice the art of just slowing down. And when I journal, um, I recommend what you call Sabbath delight. At the end of each day, write down three things that you're thankful for. Write down three things you thank God for. What have you delighted in today? It's very practical, right? And last, practice the discipline of Sabbath once a week. And when you do this, I recommend doing it starting the night before. Starting the night before. I say this because there's intentionality that comes with this. In the beginning of this message, I said my ideal day is from getting from sleep from 11 to 8 o'clock. Because I've intentionally planned plan to sleep early so that I can wake up early. So I get a full day, a longer time, where I can actually practice this discipline of Sabbath. So starting the day before. And it doesn't have to be a 24-hour you know, slot. You know? And it's not meant to just be done just once a week. Actually, that once a week is really important, but it's meant to bleed into the rest of your days. It's like mini Sabbaths at the end of your day. And also, once a week. I, I believe with all my heart that as the Word of God does talk about this, and as God expresses His heart with this, I believe that when we do practice this, it's really going to change and bring transformation in the vitality in the, in the, of our relationship with God in the life of our church. Amen? All right. So let me just pray for us. Yeah. Let's all stand up, actually, and just hold hands across the aisles. I'm just going to close for us in prayer. Yeah, before I close in prayer, actually, let's just take a moment and just pray for the person to your left and your right and pray that God would bless their weeks with a felt rest, a felt rest, a sensitivity to delight, a tenderness of heart, and that the voices of anxiety and all these things that worry us, all these crowds that come up in our face, that we would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit bringing us into that desolate place where we have nothing 
but to delight in God and to delight with God. Can we pray that together and then I'll close for us in prayer. Let's pray. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Holy Spirit, we ask you right now, would you give us faith? Would you give us hope? to believe that we do have this access. And even right now, for those who are faint-hearted, for those who are weary, for those who feel tired, for those who feel overwhelmed and anxious, I just right now declare your peace over every single one of us right now. I declare your peace right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray for the grace to be able to pull aside throughout this week and to delight in you, delight with you, God. Lord, I pray, God, would you help us to go deeper in your truth, deeper in in your presence, deeper in your word, but I pray that it would be done from a place of rest, God. So, Lord, we look to you. We thank you for giving us this access. We thank you, Lord. We trust you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.